What's up, world? It's your girl, Lex. And you know what time it is. It's time to put me on game. So tonight, I know I always say I have a very special guest, but I do. I have very special guests that join me on my show. And tonight, I have a young lady by the name of Kelly Taylor, and I love her so much. How are you doing today, Kelly? I'm wonderful. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for joining me. I'm just going to go ahead and address the elephant in the room because I feel like there's an elephant in the room, but it just feels so weird to call you Kelly. <laughs> well, I, I've asked you that years ago and you wouldn't do it. I know, I know. So I'm going to go ahead and put it out there for the um, viewers and people that are listening. Kelly Taylor is my stepmother. So that's why it feels weird to call her Kelly. But anyways, we got that out the way and you are Kelly tonight. Okay. I like <laughs> so Kelly. Tell the world who Kelly Taylor is. Well, Kelly, she's a Sagittarius. She's adventurous borderline risk taker no let's say moderate risk taker um but i'm a mom i have uh four beautiful daughters one biological and three bonus including you um and a wife and a grandmother awesome awesome and, and an entrepreneur absolutely and that's why you're here tonight yes so you're a mother you're a wife your grandmother, hot mama. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us a little bit about your upbringing. Where's Kelly from? Um, you know, do you have sisters or brothers? Tell us a little bit about that. I am from St. Louis, Missouri. Most people, when they think of St. Louis, they think of Nellie. Um, but I was born in Detroit and my parents relocated to their home uh, of St. Louis at the age of two or three. So you can say I was reared in St. Louis, uh, did all my schooling, grade school, high school in St. Louis. But I like to tell people, though I was reared in St. Louis, I grew up in Virginia because I spent my early 20s into my late 40s in Virginia. And I, a lot of growth took place there. Um, I have, I am one of six kids. I am the second oldest firstborn girl, have an older brother, and um, they call me mother-sister. Everybody, my mother, my sisters, uh, my grandmother when she was alive referred to me as mother-sister. I've always been the person who I guess has been like the, the mother hen or the leader of the pack, and they come to me to find out what to do or for for a safe place to land that would be me that's so cool to hear that you said they call you mother sister first let me back up i didn't know that you were born in detroit yeah. never knew that learn something new every day so you're born you were born in detroit and i didn't know that everyone calls you mother sister but it's kind of weird because that's the vibe and that's the that's the relationship that I have with you you're a mother you know you put me in my place but you're also like a big sister I can come to you I can talk to you about you know anything don't cry on this video please I'm not gonna cry <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that's cool so mother sister yeah oh so, born in Detroit 
raised in St. Louis, Missouri, grew up in Virginia. What part of Virginia? Uh, South Norfolk, Chesapeake. Okay, so the Seven Cities area. Yeah, 757. Shout out to the 757. (laughs) So was there anything um, maybe in your childhood or in your younger adult years that attributed to you becoming an entrepreneur? Not my childhood. Um, I was in that generation of the latchkey society. My parents worked and I came home to a note. Um, had to fix meals for my siblings and, you know, do everything. So they were workers. Um, But it wasn't until I went to Virginia and my late husband, his mom was a real hustler. And I mean that in a good way. She didn't have, um, she had a formal education, but she didn't, you know, go to college. Uh, But she never had like a steady job but if she needed money she would make things and she would get paid people would pay for them and they would place orders and i was like wow you know that's cool i've had, i got a job but i am creative too so she really helped me tap into that creative side which brought out the entrepreneur in me so what was your first business my first business uh, I was working for um, an insurance company which is where I met your dad Um, but I took a trip to New York and while on in New York I was on uh, Broadway wherever that long strip where they sold all the knockoff bags and Chinatown yeah whatever (laughs) Um, but I, I I invested hundreds of dollars in these bags, wallets, not all knockoff, but just nice stuff because I worked in an office full of women who like nice things. And I bought portfolios, umbrellas, uh, keychains, everything. And then I came back and I sold, I mean, like I unloaded all of that and I left like work with like a big knot. And then they were like, well, when are you going back? And I'm like, well, okay, I'll let you know. And then I started taking orders and I would go back, re-up and come back and then another big stack of money. Until I finally was like, okay, I'm done. I'm tired of this. And then things started changing in New York as well. So you can't shop like that anymore. Yeah. Okay, cool. So it's safe to say <laughs> that you got your hustler spirit from Virginia. From my mother-in-law. Okay. So say Virginia's for lovers, but Virginia's really for hustlers. But I'm just going to put that out there. (laughs) I mean, it goes, it gets much better for me when it comes to the entrepreneur um, opportunities that I had in Virginia. Yeah. So what was the next step? So you, 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 um, you sold bags and, you know, different items uh, to your coworkers at work. What was the next step? What was the next thing that you did after? Um, well, life got very real um, because my husband passed away and I went back to school. And in school, I had to do a project. And the project, I was majoring or I majored in health and human services. And the project was that I had to create a living, breathing social work type program Hmm. 
And all I knew at that time was death and dying. So because I was grieving and I was thinking, what do I need? Because I think that's the biggest component of being a successful entrepreneur is finding what you need first and then giving it, giving the people what they want, what they need. So I knew what I didn't get when he died from the funeral home. So I created an aftercare program and I presented it to the funeral home because they had to sign off on it. So I had to find a funeral home that wanted to do it. And I went to the one that, that took care of us. And they were like, not only do we want to help you do this, but when you're done, we want you to do this for us. Mm. So I created a job for myself, but I didn't want to work for anybody. So I said, okay, as long as I could be like, give me a 1099. I want to be my own business. I mean, my own boss, but I will, you know, come in at these hours or these days, but I set my schedule. And then I started making these bereavement baskets and they were shipped all over the, the country. Um, needless to say, I got an A in the class. Um, and that program is still going on right now today. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that was, that's like major. That's like an accomplishment that I will always be very proud of. That I'm proud of you. That's something else that I didn't know. Goodness. <laughs> I'm just learning all kinds of new things about you. So that's how you ended up working at the funeral home. Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah. I created a path for myself. I love it. Yeah. So let's fast forward a little bit. Um, tell us about what you're doing now. Who is Kelly Taylor in the moment, 2020? What's going on in your life? I am... I am a healer. I know this going, and you know, that takes me back to being mother sister. I know how to take care of people. I know how to make people feel good and it's effortless to me. Um, so right now today I am uh, working as a certified grief counselor and an EFT practitioner. So I left the funeral home and the and the grief business and the basket business all the way back in like 2008, between 2008 and 2010, I went back and forth and I walked away from that. Um, and it wasn't until 2017 that I kind of thought, ah, I, I'm going to, I want to do something else because I had done a million things between 2010 and 2020, of course. Uh, but I took a, a course to become a emotional freedom technique practitioner and that deals with healing it's a healing modality which could take a whole interview to talk about so we won't do that um, but from there I went back into grief grief counseling and I market a healing box so that basket that I did way back then is now a box a bereavement healing box that's amazing so what's the name of your business I heal tap I heal tap. Why I heal tap? Where I know. <laughs> so when I started this, I was only going to be, I was only going to tap. And if anybody knows about EFT and they see the word tap, T-A-P, then they know, okay, she's a tapper. Um, but then somewhere in between my EFT, the grief part of me resurfaced. And 
so it's still I heal, H-E-A-L. So I heal and I tap. That's cute. I heal and I tap. Do you feel that this line of work, um, since you're a healer, do you feel that it, it helps you heal and help you get over things that you may, may be grieving from your past? Yes. Uh, when I was doing my, uh, getting my, I guess, certification um, for the EFT, we had to go through all the motions to kind of work on our own healing because mm. what I know now is that one who's not healed is not the best healer. Just like, you know, you have to love yourself before somebody else can love you. Mm-hmm. And all that work I was doing way back then, I wasn't healed yet. But man, once I did that EFT, this like light bulb went off and all that grief that I had dealt with or thought that I dealt with way back in 1999 and all 2000s, I hadn't really, it was still like laying there. It wasn't deep, but it was, it was right there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So no, I, a lot of healing for myself took place over the last three years and it has been remarkable. Amazing. Amazing. I had a conversation with someone, um, recently kind of about what we're talking about um you know healing yourself and if you're not able to heal yourself then you're going to hurt other people you're going to take that that grief and that baggage and put it on someone else and it's not fair i think a lot of people should live by that heal yourself you know, but sometimes you don't even know how you know that's right how gosh how deep rooted it is until you really sit with yourself. And one thing that I say, and I tell this, and I say this all the time now, because it's like my life. Healed people hear differently. Mm, say that one more time for me. Healed people hear differently. Mm. And I, I, I say that because someone asked me, well, what's so different with you doing this work now than when you did it back then? Well, now I know that I was not healed completely. And I was not hearing those people that I was working with. I could relate to them certainly because their heart hurt, my heart hurt. I can relate to them, but I couldn't really hear them to help them effectively because I was still trying to heal. Now that I'm healed, I hear shit. I mean, I hear stuff. It's okay. When people say things and, and, and then I say, so what I hear you saying is X, Y, Z. And they're like, did I say that? Yeah. Mm. But back then, I couldn't hear what they were saying. Your ears were clogged with your grief. Mm. So heal people hear differently. Heal people hear differently it's the it's a fact so i was looking at your um your instagram page recently and i don't know why i started staring at your logo and it's a flame yeah why why is it a flame what's the significance so it has two parts okay um i'm big on energy and watered is energy and fire is energy and so when I thought about I Heal Tap, I thought, well, what do I want to do? 
And I'm like, oh, I like to ignite a flame of positivity that just explodes and just, you know, reaches so far that everybody that comes to me gets that ignition. Mm. And then it goes a little personal. I was raised in the United Methodist Church. And the United Methodist Church, you always know that's a United Methodist Church because of the cross and the flame. And that's their logo. And I was raised in that church. And then as a young adult, I strayed, I mean, uh, Catholic, Baptist, uh, Pentecostal, holiness. And I would always find my way back to the United Methodist Church because they would do something to piss me off. And I'm like, ah, I'm going to what's familiar because I am quite traditional and in a non-tradition sense. Uh, and you probably know that, like, I I, some things I like to do, but other times it's like, no, we don't have to do that because we did that last year. Let's do something different. Yeah. It's interesting because it's like you took the fire. A lot of people, I mean, even myself, sometimes I... I associate fire with darkness and evil and, Hmm. you know, things that are negative and you took it and, and put a new light on it. Well, not a new light, but you took it and you, you made it positive. So that's interesting. I, I don't know why I was staring at your logo, but. Well, I mean, because you can't really make sense out of it unless you know. And I get that. And I'm like, maybe one day I'll change it. But eh, I made it. I made that on my own. So I'm proud of it. It cost me zilch. <laughs> Gotta stay true to you. Don't change it. Don't change it because somebody like me was staring at it, trying to figure out what's going on. <laughs> no, but, um, I do. I, I love the meaning. So I didn't ask you in the beginning, and I feel kind of bad. Mm-hmm. We're in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. And it's just so much going on in the world right now. Um, the world will never be, you know, how it once was. And it's kind of bittersweet, but, you know, it's a new day. And I know that we're going to come out of it. But I didn't ask you, like, how are you doing? How are you dealing with the pandemic? Well, thanks for asking. And I will say that the first couple of weeks were really rough. Was were, I'm going to just say I had a tinge of fear and like, I, you know, don't come near me. And, um, but just this last week, I felt, oh, I just, I hate to even say like, there's not a sense of normalcy, but a sense of like, okay, I'm rolling with this. And um, I, I'm doing things that I used to do. Like I quit looking at my calendar. I didn't know what freaking day it was you know, what time I was sleeping to whenever I wanted to get up, unless, you know, I had a client at a certain time or I had to be somewhere. And I just, within the last week, just stopped doing that. And I started getting up. I got my calendar out. I booked my mammogram. I'm booking my eye exam. You know, I'm like, okay, I got to live and I got to quit eating all this stuff. It just <laughs> So I've kind of conformed. Mm. And I'm not afraid because I have to live, but I, I know I, I will do everything in my power to keep myself healthy and safe. So I'm, I'm okay. I'm, ha- I'm happy. 
as happy as I can be and missing my family. Um, but, you know, as long as I can see you all, I know everybody's good, you know, I'm okay. It sucks, but I'm okay. It's the new norm. You said normalcy. It's, it's the new norm. It's I hate to say I'll, that though. But it is. It's the truth. You know, it's how life is going to be for a while. People are going to be working from home. Kids are going to continue going to school online and we're going to continue social distancing and and all these Zooming and everything. Yeah. I've gotten so used to that to where I like it. Yeah. I like going to church on Zoom. <laughs> I'm like, I may never go to church again. <laughs> I will Zoom and send in my tithes and offerings, but hey. Yeah. Yeah. You have to be in the building to be in church. No, you don't. That's what we realized that we are the church. Absolutely. The building, you got to be more than just thinking you somebody inside that building. And I can do a whole nother interview on that. Amen. Isn't doing. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) No, all them busy people that was in the church. I'm sorry. I digress. Uh, nah, keep going. Nah, um. no. no. <laughs> <laughs> so, who's your ideal client for iHillTap? Surprisingly, it's not a griever. Hmm. My ideal client is the person who is ready to face and is ready to face and conquer childhood trauma wow and how did that happen i'm gonna tell you because you didn't ask but i'm gonna tell you while going through my certification for eft i had to practice on 50 people and i did more than 50 but i kept getting all these people with this childhood trauma and i was like oh my god like it became and I, I hate to use the word effort because we're as professionals, it may not, we may not have to use a lot of effort to work with someone. It's the value that that's important, but it became comforting and not afraid. Like I was first thinking, I'm going to be terrified if somebody says somebody raped them or they were raped by a cousin or a grandfather or something. But I got so much of that mm. to where it was like, okay, I'm not afraid of that. Let's tackle this and let's beat this beast down and let's heal. Yeah. The childhood trauma is my favorite client. Wow. Yeah. I, I would have never thought childhood trauma. I don't know. I guess because I heal tap and I know that you have the grief boxes. I know. I <laughs> But, but, I mean, I I know that that can be associated with grief grief as well, but when someone thinks of grief, you know, the first thing that, well, I'm I'm not going to say someone, myself, the first thing that I think of is death, you know? Exactly, yeah. Grief is any loss or hurt from anything or a person. Um, And a lot of times when I deal with people, when they're dealing with somebody who died, I mean, I think we all got some childhood trauma. Absolutely. I heal like, uh, tap. I might need to sign up for a session after this is over with. Okay. We'll tap it out. And that's literally what you do. You really tap it out. Tapping is like um, acupuncture 
uh, where they are pinging these pain points to remove the pain. Well, tapping, you're tapping on meridian points that are associated to organs, real organs in your body. And you are, you're tapping while you're saying these statements and these phrases. And literally, people are being healed in one session sometimes, or sometimes minutes. It's remarkable. Everybody should have a tapping session. So since we're in the middle of a pandemic, I keep saying this, mm-hmm. and you keep saying tapping. So you're doing these tapping sessions virtually because you, I know you're not touching people. No, right so now. I'm tapping myself and you're following me. Oh, okay. So you're tapping, I'm tapping. And yes, most of my uh, practicum were done over the phone, not even looking at each other. I was on speakerphone, then FaceTime, I did Zooms, but most of my people, I went to Virginia because that's my core base of people that I can go to. Um, So no, I've had a very few in person. So you were doing this before COVID happened and then you were already prepared for the way the world is going now. And it was ironic that my mentor said that, that 90% of her clients were already virtual anyway. Hmm. Yeah. So I'm very comfortable um, not being in front of you. Um, and, And it's almost better for me because I am an empath and I have, Oh, it's horrible. I pick up on your stuff. Mm-hmm. And when I'm in, in like this, I can control it better. But when we're in front of each other, you know, if you told me you came in with a headache, I'm leaving with your headache. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so <laughs> I've gotten much better, but I am a real empath and it's a blessing and a curse. <laughs> well, hopefully you can be around somebody that, uh, say they're going to be a millionaire you leave (laughs) (laughs) I'm just kidding so you have you wear so many hats you do so many things you're always busy how do you stay motivated to do all of this I'm real I have never applied for a job and not received my job that I applied for because I am self-motivated and I, I don't know where that's come from. You know, I was, I told you the second born, the oldest child. And I guess because so much responsibility was placed on me, I had to think for myself. Um, my mother, I love her and she has told the story. So if she ever sees this, she would be okay. But my mother put so much responsibility on me that, she thought that I was too grown, but I wasn't really grown. I was really just taking care of myself. And she was trying to put me in therapy. And the counselor told her, excuse me, that I didn't need the therapy, that she needed the therapy because she had made me very independent because my parents divorced when I was four. And so she was a single parent until I was in my teens. So I, that's how I became mother-sister. I was taking care of her, taking care of my sister. You know, my brother came over, taking care of him. You know, I, so I guess 
I went off to school. None of my siblings have gone away to college. Only me. Um, yeah, I, it's just innate. Yeah. Yeah. I, I can, I, I understand the uh, self-motivation aspect. I feel like I'm like that. So mm-hmm. I get it. Yeah. Um, so sister, mother. Mother, sister. Mother, oh, I'm all wrong. Mother, <laughs> mother sister. What has been your biggest challenge um, as a black woman on your journey to entrepreneurship? It could be now or, you know, in the past, but what's the biggest? I think it's just really support um now support from from just everybody everybody? yeah you know um your family is probably always the last to support your ventures um and i don't want to knock my family because you know my family is is good to me uh but you know i look at you guys as our, our as our offspring we'll do anything for you guys absolutely i know you said your family i'm like hmm, y'all support everything yeah, <laughs> everything but, we do but i didn't i didn't get that growing up um and i don't get it now and i'm not gonna call people out but you know i have some influential people in my family that could be doing that could help me and they don't even if I've asked, okay, I will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I say support. And then, you know, sometimes in community, especially in the field that I'm in, um, it's very small to find a black EFT practitioner. And then um, there are some. Um, and then the grief world is very white. So, you know, it's, kind of hard to break into places because we not supposed to grieve we're supposed Mm -hmm. to take it and keep going yeah be strong Uh, yeah so i would say my challenges has been just getting support from the places because i have aspirations and i still have some goals that i'm trying to knock out and you know i'm gonna need some help and i'm gonna have to you know stay Mm self-motivated to get those things done um i guess the other challenge is just finding a balance um and getting all my stuff done and finding the right tech people the right um assistance the right apps and you know just staying on top of the changing world uh, of the internet yeah I'm I'm in my 50s, so I don't do things as fast. So that's a challenge. You know, I got to call you or call Bria. How do you do this? That is a big challenge for me. <laughs> you know I've done that to you. Yeah, you called me uh, last weekend for something. I don't know. It was something. How do I make this work? Yeah, that's probably my biggest challenge. I don't care about the family not supporting me because I have people who support me, but... Yeah, just, you know, trying to stay uh, in the know of this internet. Of technology, yeah. Technology, thank you. changing. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I I know that this platform is going to um, gain you a lot of supporters. I believe it. I'm just going to go ahead and put that out in the atmosphere. So 
you're going to get a lot of supporters. And I mean, it's unfortunate, but sometimes, you know, your, your family, they're not the ones that are always there. So, you know, and I probably turned the bus a little bit, but it's okay. You know what? I pre- I don't I'm not a saying you threw them under the bus. Let me say that. Let me clarify that. But I appreciate that you shared that. Um, that's one thing that I'm trying to do with this platform. I want people to tell their truths. I want I want people to come on this show, tell their truths, so that other people can understand. You know what people go through or what they've gone through, and and know that it's not always going to be easy. People aren't going to always support you. You're not going to be an instant overnight success, no. and it's going to be a long journey. Yeah. But when you get there, mm-hmm. it's going to be so satisfying. Yeah, yeah, I agree. But yeah. So, Kelly, I was going to st- try to say mother, sister again. Is it sister, mother? Mother, sister. Let's <laughs> <laughs> get a kick out of that. <laughs> so, mother, sister, put me on game and leave me with the most important quality that someone must have to become a successful entrepreneur? The one? Or you could give me a couple if you have a couple. Well, I already talked about one being self-motivated. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You got to be self-motivated because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody is going to believe in you. Um, spontaneity. Mm. I... I when you ask who Kelly is, I should have said that I am a spontaneous person. I love to do things on the fly. And um, you have to be ready. Mm-hmm. You know, what? what's the statement? Uh, be, stay ready so you don't have, you have to, to get, get ready. ready. Yeah. <laughs> and that has all to do with spontaneity. Mm-hmm. You got to be ready. Always on go. Ready. Absolutely. Because you and they want to do an interview, be ready to do the interview. If somebody says, hey, Kelly, can you make a box? You're damn right. I can make you a box right now. It's coming. I'll ship it to you tomorrow. Absolutely. I think the other thing would be patience. Because like you said, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, You know, you may have to go back and change the logo. I'm not saying I'm going to, but you may have to change some things and something may not work. So try something else but patience that's something i'm learning to have patience Mm -hmm. i'm not very good with that i um i had a moment earlier i submitted getting off track a little bit but i submitted uh, my information for the podcast um to an app called anchor and then anchor um in turn submits the podcast to um other platforms like spotify apple um, and I was sitting here for maybe like 20 minutes, had the page up, put the bio in my trailer, everything. And, um, I was scared to hit send. And then I was just like, you know what, let me go ahead and do it. But I was scared to hit send because I was like, I'm, I'm going to have to change something, you know? I, something's not going to be right. Everything's not correct. I know that I, I spelled something wrong or I, I said a word wrong or, and I was just like, you know what? Relax. Yeah. You know, yeah. have patience. Like if, if it doesn't, if something's wrong, Hey, we can go back. Yeah. We can change it. Yeah. But 
Yeah, I know that was a little off topic. So oh, thank you so much, Mother Sister. You're welcome. Thank you. No. I'm, <laughs> no, I'm for all of this stuff. I am forever calling you Mother Sister. I'm sorry. But um, so we're going to have a little bit of fun, if you don't mind. I want to ask you some rapid fire questions. Oh, boy. You ready? No. <laughs> no, you don't have to do it if you if you don't. No, no, come on, come on. I okay. said I'm spontaneous, so let's go. All right. Okay. I wasn't gonna call you out on that, but you said it, not me. <laughs> okay, so if you could have a superpower, what would it be? Gosh, a superpower. <clears throat> I guess um if I can have a superpower, I would always keep myself a size 10. Sorry. <laughs> that was my superpower would be to lose weight <laughs> right away. I would have the, the solution of weight loss solution. Okay, that's a good one. Creative. Haven't heard that one. Chesapeake or Charlotte? Charlotte. Charlotte has been really good to me. Okay. Yeah. I'll Chesapeake take that. has a lot of sad memories for me. Okay. Um, but Charlotte has been my new beginnings. Yeah, Charlotte. Okay, all right. I respect that. What's your biggest pet peeve? Oh, God, to hear people eat. Uh, hear you people don't like eat. the mukbang people? Hell no, <laughs> I cannot stand that. I can't stand when your daddy shoes <laughs> and I have to look at him. Did Helen Taylor teach you how to eat? She absolutely did. Helen Taylor done caught me in my mouth a couple times as a kid. Man, so he's doing that because he wants to. That is my biggest <laughs> and has been that way since I was a kid. Oh. Like Tammy will tell you, I would like fight her if I heard her eat. <laughs> I hate it. <laughs> Okay, this is a good one. Um, flowers or a card? Flowers. I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. All right. One more question. You have a lot of stuff to do and you got to get it done. What is your ultimate get it done song? Oh, man. Who? Oh, okay. The ultimate song, the like yeah. Oh, I, I, it, something by any by an artist on No Limit Records. I don't know. I have a love for New Orleans music, New Orleans language. Yeah. So I, the first thing that comes up is chop, chop, chop a style, chop style, chop, chop. Yeah, that would be something like that. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> that was a good one so that's it that's all i have for you tonight thank you so much for joining me but before you go can you tell the world where they can find you absolutely uh you can find me at i the letter i heal tap.com and at i heal tap on all social media platforms i love it i'm gonna sign up for some tapping so I can support. And thank you so much. I love this uh, conversation we had. I learned a few things about you that I never knew. Oh, isn't that cool? It is. Yes, I thank you. I love you and I, I love what you're doing. And thank you for allowing me to grace my presence on your platform. Um, I appreciate it. I love you too. Thank you.
you have a good night you too